Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Phil and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality of our society and our government. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm Cam Harless, and with me today is my co-host, Phil Padilla. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> What's terrible? Are you serious? The, that introduction, I mean, not only was that creepy, but it was so pedestrian. I mean, could you maybe just put a little, like, oomph into it? You sound like you're on NPR, for God's sakes. Oh, I'm sorry for creating a pleasant and professional atmosphere that I think our listeners happen to enjoy. That's what you think, but that's not what the focus group results say. Your dogs don't count as a focus group. Eh, agree to disagree. Just, uh, let's try it again, but this time let's have some intensity and enthusiasm instead of uh, sounding like a cucked lefty. Oh, so you want, you want enthusiasm? Oh... Hey everybody, we're really so super excited you joined us for today's show. This is Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and I'm joined with my totally pumped up and swole and handsome and wonderful looking co-host, Phil Padilla. Um, could you act like you don't hate me or the listeners? That's, uh, that's, God, mm. that's ridiculous. I, I just did what you said. Alright, I'll tell you what. I'll give it a go. That way you know what I'm talking about. Go ahead. Hi, everyone. Thank you for turning in to Make Liberty Great Again Reloaded. I'm Phil Padilla, and with me today is my co-host, Cam Harless. What the actual hell? That's just... You know what? Never mind. (laughs) This is too easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're a dick. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Phil and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality of our society and our government. Let's get to it. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to Make Liberty Great Again. This time, it's personal. I'm Cam Harless, and with me today is my co-host, Phil Padilla. Hello, hello. Good to be here with you, buddy. What do you say we go ahead and make Liberty Great again? All right, the first thing I think we should touch on is the uh, the Academy Awards from last week. Did you watch the Oscars? <laughs> no. Did you? No. Why the hell would I? All right, good talk. Moving on, uh, do we have any real topics to discuss? Well, yeah, let's talk about um, a deep, dark, a deep, dark subject instead. North Korea. Ah, I think you mean real Korea. Right, yeah. Uh, thanks to Michael Malice and his book, Dear Reader, The Unauthorized Autobiography of Kim Jong-il, which, by the way, I could not possibly recommend more. Um, I mean, I'm, on the show notes, I'm going to put uh, the link for the um, the paperback as well as the Audible, which the Audible is just chilling to listen to. So I... I, I literally couldn't re- recommend that that book more. Um, but because of that book, I do have a deeper understanding of what's going on over there than I used to. And um, it really is truly horrifying. 
And one of the things that I'm even more deeply horrified over is when I hear Americans speak of what they think should happen in North Korea. Right. Kind of like, you know, everyone's first knee-jerk reaction is, hey, let's just nuke dictators um, as if that's not going to kill an entire population of civilians that we're trying to free from oppression. Right. And, And, you know, one of the biggest sins, I think, that um, Americans and people all across the world really um, commit is acting like Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, and uh, Kim Il-sung are just hilariously insane fat boys that run a country that wants to blow away America for the fun of it. Right. These guys aren't insane. They aren't crazy. They're not stupid. They're incredibly smart. And truly evil. Right. And, you know, let's be honest for a moment. Real talk. You know, when U.S. politicians start talking about regime change or, you know, a country giving up their nuclear program, you know, can we really can we really be upset or shocked or surprised that they aren't immediately on board? You know, just thinking off the top of my head um, about what we've done to the Middle East and, you know, Libya, you know, comes to mind. You know, I can I can almost understand you know the person's aversion to being dragged through the streets and murdered i i totally get why they wouldn't want that to happen yeah and and the bombing the crap out of the country i mean they right the killing of women and children in the process just to quote unquote liberate them and you know what you're right they they, they don't want to be dragged through the streets and they don't want to be sodomized with bayonets like Gaddafi was mm-hmm. i mean who would One of the main points of the North Korean nuclear program is actually to become like a porcupine so that, that, you know, they're safe from outside attack no matter what happens. Yeah, I think that's something, you know, evidenced by the Cold War. We all saw a pretty good example of that. Right, and one of the greatest fears of um, any communist dictator is that they'll be invaded or infiltrated and that their people will turn against them. I mean, for example, on Christmas Day in 1989, uh, Nicolae uh, Ceausescu, the uh, communist le- dictator that called himself the president of Romania, was dragged behind a building and shot with his wife after a quick show trial in a very small room. Oof. Well, you know what they say. <laughs> the only good commie is a dead commie. Uh, was that too much? I mean, I thought this was a dark segment, so I just kind of went with it. Well, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Um, if I'm gonna, I'm I'm not for the wanton killing of people for their ideologies. You know, I don't think that a person who lives on a commun on a co- communist campus, a college campus, who kind of espouses some socialist ideals, should be dragged down to the street into the streets and shot i just i don't think that however when there's a communist dictator that has actively repressed and killed and treated people like they were a little less than nothing like i don't feel quite as sorry for those people you know what sure I mean? sure i get what you're saying but it kind of sounds like you're leaning um kind of sounds like you're leaning more towards throwing them out of helicopter out of a helicopter yeah, um, that is the the one joke 
that uh, the left leaning libertarians just can't quite wrap their heads around no i don't i don't think they get it it's like oh hey i believe in non-aggression but we should throw people out of uh, helicopters that's what you'd call irony and i don't know how to explain that to someone who lacks a sense of it um so as i was saying the uh the trial and the tail end of the execution of the ceausescu's Um, was videotaped and photos of their dead bodies were disseminated as it turns out kim jong-il had actually seen this footage and he got a copy of it um he has actually said that he showed his top officials that footage over and over again day after day um so that they knew that if the kims lost their power that they, everyone, their top officials, the Kims, everyone would die just like the Ceausescu's. I mean, today, I mean, for all I know, Kim Jong-un may show that Gaddafi tape. Well, I mean, I'm sure he already has. Um, It seems, you know, that's something that he would do once he assumed power is, you know, go to his top advisors and his generals and say, hey, look what happened to this guy when he tried to play ball with the U.S., we got to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen to us. Also kill his brother, of course. Right. Right. Honorable mention to the dead brother. But, um, you know, speaking of malice, I believe he put it best in uh, past interviews. I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, I think it was him who said it and referred to, you know, North Korea or, you know, real Korea, whatever you prefer, is essentially, you know, think of it as one big hostage situation. There's a gun pointed at every citizen's head, and obedience is, you know, it's compulsory, it's mandatory, you have to. Um, And, you know, I think that that's the best way to look at it. And from that perspective, you know, diplomacy is probably our best course of action at this point. I mean, that's absolutely right. Um, When you look at North Korea, and you look at it honestly, instead of looking at what the media portrays them as, or what... George W. Bush portrayed him as, or how Barack Obama just outright ignored North Korea, um, there are literally millions of people in labor camps for being disloyal to the Kim regime. There are men who have been in mines so long that they have extreme vitamin D deficiency and are close to death at all moments. There are people living out hell every day in that country, and so many Americans act like the Kims are just simply oddities to to be made light of, like dancing monkeys not to be taken seriously. But they are dead serious men with a gun to the heads of millions of civilians if American troops invade. They also have guns and missiles trained at South Korea if that happens. And correct me if I'm wrong... Um, I believe, you know, people were also in prison when Kim Jong-il died and neighbors were encouraged to report on each other if, you know, they weren't crying hard enough or sad enough, you know, during the, that public procession. Is that right? Yes, and that, that's, that's true. And not only that, but literally every day of every North Korean's life, their brothers, their sisters, their friends, anyone they meet is not only encouraged but demanded of to rat on mm-hmm. them. This isn't a, a society like ours who, you know, like if the guy down the street has weed, you're not going to go, oh, hey, I've got to go to the cops and I've got to make sure this guy gets taken care of, you know? That's because you're a sane person. But this is an entire culture that has been trained, primed, and told 
to rat on everyone they know. Yeah, and you know what's really outrageous what's really outrageous is the way that, you know, the media and of course the warhawks on both sides of the aisle cuz there's no anti-war left or there's no anti-war right anymore. Um, you know, they Can I say something? Go for it. The the anti-war left. I, you know, I can't verify this because I don't have the information on me, but um I heard someone speaking of a poll recently that showed that at this juncture in history, the left is actually more primed and ready for war than the right is. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Look at their reaction when Trump said that he was going to pull troops out of Syria and Afghanistan. It's it's it, it just goes against every, you know, talking point and line of crap we've heard our whole lives. That the left cares about war. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially during the, you know, the Bush administration, they were they were pretty staunch opponents, but... You know, now now they champion him in the era of Trump. You know, they act like George Bush is, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread in comparison to the administration that we have now. Right. And it's not like the the other Republicans are, you know, playing the 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 drums of Trump and saying, hey, let's get out of Syria. I mean, just days ago, Marco Rubio posted a picture of Gaddafi oh, before and after he was caught by the people. And eventually sodomized yep. with a freaking bayonet in relation to Venezuela. They're not better. Yeah, it was almost it was almost like he might as well have just said like hashtag you're next. Cause that's I mean, let's be honest, that's what his intent was. Yeah, he was he was he was flexing and I, I have no respect for that line of thought whatsoever. No. No, but th- that transitions, you know, into the the point that I was trying to make is that, you know, the way that these chicken hawks like to talk is like violence is our only course of action. It's the only outcome all the time. You know, casualties and morality be damned. You know, or they'll try to spin it as if like you're soft on foreign policy or you're soft on evil or terrorism if you think diplo- diplomacy, excuse me, is, you know, a plausible course to be charted. You know, I think Lil Kim knows that, and if he gets rid of his nukes or makes any comparable move or concessions like that with the U.S., that he's as good as dead. Right, and in, in all of, of all the garbage that I could throw at Trump, of all the policies I don't like, tariffs, emergency, um, <laughs> Borders. emergency actions for a wall, Yeah, I mean, whatever, of all the stuff I don't like, I do have to applaud him when he does something right. I mean, his work with North Korea, I applaud that. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I care significantly less if they have nukes as long as we can move their people, all of those hostages, closer and closer to some sort of freedom. I agree. And, you know, my hope would be that everyone could somehow just, you know, magically one day do they just wake up and realize that peaceful influence, you know, is a far better alternative to chaos and violence and just the sheer mayhem that you know a u.s-led regime change would you know cause in north korea you know you can protest the evils of north korea while still working towards a peaceful resolution they're not mutually exclusive you can do both i just wish more people would realize that yeah and if you look at history and at the fall of the soviet union you know all of that what killed the ceausescus was capitalism it was seeing the poor characters on American TV shows wearing nice shoes or even having cars that really set the people off. 
And the downfall of the Kim regime has to come from liberalization in their peninsula. It has to come from them. They have to decide to be free. And whatever we can do when it comes to diplomacy to help get to that place is what needs to happen. Nuking them won't do it. Diplomacy is the best possible option. We need them to see what they are missing and what lies they're being told. Until then, they're just a brainwashed people and any dissenter has a gun trained at their skull. Oof. That is dark. But um, I-, I think to be able to pull that off, they're going to need you know some major outside influence. Um, and, I, because, and I say that because the state media censors so much content inside of North Korea that they're, like they're only exposed content. to... Yeah, yeah. Essentially, I mean, so there, there's only so much that they're allowed to see. That you know, I don't know what that what that ends up looking like, but I just know I agree with you that liberating that peninsula from the inside, you know, more influence, more capitalism, free markets, opportunities, things like that that come to the country. That's what's going to fix it, not you know, bombing the crap out of people. Right. These people have spent their entire lives being brainwashed into thinking that any Kim that comes across their path is a god and that um, they live in the best possible system. That's why this diplomacy is important. That's why Trump, what he's done is a net positive. That's why nukes and saber-rattling won't work. That's why Trump's foreign policy, despite all of my trepidation with the man, is far better than the last several presidents that we've had. Combined. We don't want fire and fury. We want to see the captives set free. (sighs) Well said, buddy. Um, But I'm going to kind of, I'm going to pull us out of that deep darkness and a little bit more into the absurd. Now... I want to take a few minutes just to piggyback off our segment from last week's episode about fake hate crimes. This story, I'm going to be honest with you, it's so ridiculous that when I first heard it, I thought maybe it was, you know, someone was sharing an article from The Onion or for Babylon Bee or, you know, some other satire page like that. Another one already? You'd have thought these kooks would learn their lesson after the Smollett case. Well, here's the thing. The initial incident went down back in 2017. So I'm, I'm going to go into reporter mode here for just a few minutes. But So here's the scoop. Authorities suspect someone named Nikki Jolie, or Jolly, not quite sure how you pronounce it, a transgender man, so a woman, for simplicity's sake, and a gay rights activist burnt down her home intentionally. Now to give a little backstory about this alleged arsonist, I'm just going to say Jolly, is a LGBT bigwig in a city called Jackson, Michigan, and allegedly received several threats due to her part in opening a gay community center in the city, organizing a gay festival, and uh, she also led a campaign for a city ordinance um, to prohibit discrimination against gay men and women. So those threats received for that activity is what initially caused the FBI to look into the fire as a possible hate crime. Wait, so so I'm guessing she's not the upstanding citizen that she was attempting to portray herself as? I mean, what would be anyone's motive to burn down their own home? Well, as far as the upstanding citizen goes, I believe that she was named like Jackson's Person of the Year, 
But to answer your question, uh, authorities are unclear on the motive and reported that Jolie uh, didn't own the home and wouldn't be receiving any sort of uh, insurance payout because they didn't own the home. So, but I just want to keep in mind, this fire killed five pets, two dogs, three cats. Um, so whoever did this, if it's the alleged, you know, arsonist activist that we're talking about now or someone else, I mean, it's kind of, you know, kind of a real sicko move. Right. I mean, wait, so you said th- three cats and two dogs? Correct. And she didn't own the house? Also correct. Uh, well, that that is awful. Right, I know. But, uh, so check this out. Police reports suggest that Jolie was upset over gay rights activism in Jackson not being in the spotlight as much. So, reports state that two St. John's United Church of Christ officials, Barbara Shelton and Bobby James, told police that Jolie was disappointed that the Jackson Pride Parade and Festival didn't receive much attention or protests. And just keep in mind, the... Pride, uh, gay pride parade and festival was just five days before the fire went down. So she wanted more protests. I mean, if you're wanting publicity, I guess that's a way to get it. There's no such thing as bad publicity, right? Right, but, uh, right, right, right. Here's where the story takes kind of a strange twist. So as I mentioned uh, just a few moments ago, there were two, in, you know, officials from that church that gave statements about how she was upset that they didn't receive more, you know, protests and things of that nature. But they were later on contacted by a reporter, and James wouldn't comment at all. But Shelton argued that her comments were, quote unquote, mischaracterized. So there's a little bit of a, of a battle there. I don't know why they would make a statement to the police and then later try to, you know, recant themselves when you know, pushed by a reporter, but, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure what their motive for that one is. Um, anyway, anyways, on the day of the fire, so this is going to set up a pretty important timeline here that, you know, the prosecutors feel is pretty solid. So they just follow along with the sequence of events, if you will. So on the day of the fire, Jolie went to work and received a call from her girlfriend saying she forgot to pack her lunch, so Jolie needed to get back to the house real quick, get it for her, and bring it to her at work. Now that call went to Jolie at 1.02 p.m., and their home is two miles from Jolie's place of work. Now Jolie told police she was home for a minute or two, and the fire was reported by neighbors at 1.16. So 14 minutes after she got the call to, hey, I need some lunch, is when neighbors saw smoke, fire, flames, what have you, and, you know, called it in. So the timeline for another arsonist, I mean, it's pretty tight. And Jolie alleged that the arsonist must have been in the house at the same time that she was there getting lunch together. Which <laughs> seems to be, like, what what you would call a stretch. I, I mean, I understand there's probably some hiding places, but, I mean, come on. The killer's calling from inside the house. Yeah, but you know that kind of that kind of disintegrates a little bit when uh, it came out that traces of gasoline were found on Jolie's clothing. I'd say that's some. Uh, I'd say that's some pretty damning evidence. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the prosecution's built a pretty strong case so far against Jolie. Uh, so I'd say it's pretty solid from you know what I've researched and 
But um, here's another little fun fact. You know, after this went down, there was over there was over fifty eight thousand dollars in donations made towards the couple, and then, um, but there is a hearing set for March eighth. So I'm assuming, you know, as the hearing and stuff goes forward, more details are going to come out. So we'll, you know, we'll have some updates on this story later on. But, you know, I'm just going to ask kind of a question here. Can I, can I... Go for it. Can I say something, though? Send it. We, I mean, we, we just found the motive. <laughs> yeah, it, it would certainly seem like it. The, because, because, you know, we, we were just a minute ago, it was like, they didn't own the house. They wouldn't get an insurance payout. What's the motive? $58,000 in donations because you know who's going to pay for the house that was burned down? Mm-hmm. The people who own the house's insurance. I'm sorry. That just... Right. But it also <laughs> makes you think, you know, let's... Again, I, this is an alleged crime and let's just say that it, it turns out that she did do it. You know, of course, they just raked in a boatload of cash um, through donations from the you know the area, but... You know, is there something further here? Are they trying to paint a picture uh, of discrimination of a hate crime here that, you know, she's this big wig, you know, gay rights activist and, and, you know, the community, someone in the community doesn't like that and they want to burn down her house as a message. You know, they're trying to instill fear in the movement. You know, maybe that's another motive that they'll possibly take a look at or a stab at. You know, like I said, you know, a hearing set for, you know, later on in March. So we'll share more details as they come out. But I just want to say, like, if this turns out to be true, you know, one motive or the other, what does this exactly say about, you know, the progressive agenda and the lengths that they're willing to go to to push that agenda? You know, I I don't want to sound like an alarmist, but we can't say these lies that they're continuing to perpetrate are victimless at this point. I mean, they I know this a couple years ago, but they burned down someone's home and killed the pets. Yeah. So th- there's no there's no real well, what's the harm in it you know they're they're just lying, you can't play that angle anymore. Right, and and you know, a lot of these fake incidents that we keep running into, they have a disturbing trend of trying to gain sympathy, for whatever group, or community that person happens to be a part of, be it gay, black, um, progressive, whatever, um, and all or to just trash Trump supporters as bigots. I, I'm definitely interested to see how that'll that'll turn out. Um, but I kind of wonder what these fake hate crimes will mean for the left in the future, you know, or if they'll leave, they'll uh, if they'll mean anything at all. Me too, buddy. Uh, me too. But as always, we're gonna link the research we did for that story in uh, today's uh, episode's notes. So keep a lookout for that if you're interested in following up. Speaking of love notes, your girl Sandy's making headlines again. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, This tweet is about a week old, uh, but it's still making its rounds um, about social media. Um, Of course, of course. AOC, Alexandria, Sandy, Alex the Rat, whatever (laughs) you want to call her. Uh, She got on and she tweeted, Yup. If you don't like the Green New Deal, then come up with your own ambitious, on-scale proposal to address the global climate crisis. Until then, we're in charge, and you're just shouting from the cheap seats. Uh, is that what a, like, a wannabe authoritarian temper tantrum looks like? 
I mean, if so, that that's kind of sad, really. This is like, you know, put it in other terms. If I pissed off my parents, they gave me some, you know, arbitrary punishment that they dole out to me. You know, I question it, and then they just get me back with because I said so. I mean, that that doesn't work for me. Well, I mean, to look on the the silver lining, at least there's a leftist out there being honest. I mean, she and all of the other Democratic candidates always harp on being our representatives and how Trump or McConnell or Feinstein aren't listening to the people. And and Feinstein's one of them. Right. She's the most recent person that I know of who is not listening to the people. I mean, at least we get to kind of clearly see beyond the mask and into who uh, she really is. I mean, we're her subjects. And she has conquered us. I mean, they're in charge. And they couldn't give less of a crap about what we think. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And, you know, I guess in a way, that sort of honesty is refreshing. I mean, this facade that they have of being a representative of the people. And, you know, they're the voice of the people. I mean, it's getting old. And quite frankly, I'm just not sure how many people are out there are still buying that crap. Oh, but the the stupidity, it doesn't stop there. Uh oh. Um. I know I'm gonna regret this, but go ahead, lay it on me. <laughs> okay, so uh, in one of the left's new favorite moves, um, one of the things they like to do is to get on a live stream and pretend that they're totally normal and just like you. And, and we drink beer with our. I was just gonna say, awkwardly drink beer on camera. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, our girl uh, Alexandria, uh, she was doing a live stream and, about climate change and student loan debt. I mean, of, of course. course. And uh, she made a comment about how we need to ask ourselves if it's still okay to have children. What? Uh, she stated it's actually a legitimate question because apparently our children's lives will be very difficult. Difficult? Uh, is she, are we 100% sure she's not referring to like bread lines and poverty that her socialist policies are going to cause? You know, because of she's a filthy commie and all that? Uh, let me uh, check my sources. Nope. Uh, she's talking about climate change again. We're all in imminent danger, you know? Uh, she further tried to qualify her statement by saying people graduating with so much debt can't even afford to have children. Hmm. But I thought, you you know, we're supposed to go to college to get the magic money-making paper. I thought that once we got that, that was a guarantee for happiness and prosperity. I mean, what, what am I missing here? Well, hey, the... <laughs> the, the climate has other plans. Ah. And on top of that, uh, one thing, I have one of those magic pieces of paper, and it's done little to nothing for me. In fact, the debt is a net negative to my life. But I've still been able to pop out four beautiful children that live happy and healthy lives despite my meager paycheck. I'm glad to know that I should have asked her permission before bringing them into this world. I hate to break it to you, partner, but... You have at least 11 kids. I mean, not yet. Maybe someday. Sandy and climate change willing. Uh, before before we end, um, before we finish up the episode, I'd just like to take a moment to recognize and remember 
that um, 26 years ago, the federal government wrote, wrote up to the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas, and began an almost two-month-long siege to take out a man who exercised the Second Amendment like it was meant for, I don't know, defense against a t- tyrannical government. And, in case you missed it, the murderous ATF thought the recent anniversary would be a good time to glorify the incident and agents involved in a not-so-humble brag, as the kids say, Facebook post. So, I'm just going to give a little quote here. They ended their post with, Their bravery and brotherhood continues to unite our organization in support of our mission to protect the public. <laughs> protect the public by burning them alive? I'm I'm sh- pretty sure the... Uh... The 76 Branch Davidians, 17 of them being children, mind you, uh, they probably feel super protected at this point. Obviously. I mean, how else do you protect people? And, you know, let's not forget to mention all the animals that were slaughtered for whatever reason. But uh, fear not, my friend. As soon as the post was made, the valiant warriors of the internet flocked to the post to troll like they do. God love them. My people. And leave <laughs> and leave comments about the heinous incident. And I just want to say we truly thank them for their service because that comment section, not to be in poor taste, was lit. <laughs> I, yes. Th- thank you for your service. Yeah, There are things that need to be said, and sometimes the only people that will say that are the trolls. But... <laughs> yeah for example the t- the number one rated comment this isn't gonna go like you think it's going to go <laughs> uh, and it's sh- it sure didn't all right uh we've had some fun stuff we've had some terrifying stuff now it's time for something fun and terrifying phil have you heard of the momo challenge uh yeah Please tell me that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, since you seem so excited, uh, why don't you explain it to our listeners? Gladly. So it's pretty simple for all you listeners out there. You text a number on WhatsApp, one word. It's an app you can go download. And you're going to receive instructions on what you're supposed to do. Right. right. And uh, if you haven't seen the Momo photo it's pretty horrifying, and the current lore is that it tries to get children to hurt or kill others and the, to then finish the challenge by killing themselves. It Excellent. also allegedly requires a photo or video proof for each challenge. I'll be honest, if this were real and not another hoax, it would be terrifying for, to me as a father. I hear some of the requests, even simple ones, are horrific. Uh, I'm calling dibs. I'm going first. And just please don't even try to stop me. No, I'm I'm not. You do you. Okay. Sending text now. Now we wait. Ooh, okay. There we go. That was quick. All right, let's see what it says. Go out and vote. What? They even give me the address to my local polling place. There is, there's not even an election right now. I don't... I, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I wouldn't either. So we're not, we're not off to a good start. Um, I've sent my text now. 
Uh, we'll see what happens. Whew, I'll say this. Uh, they respond quickly. My challenge is go make real friends instead of making memes. What the hell kind of advice is that? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> oh, got another message. All right, let's see. It says to join the Libertarian Party. Oh, oh, oh my, oh my God. No. Hard pass. Listen to the Jason Stapleton program. Oh my god. Momo's a sick freak. What did we do to Momo to deserve this? I don't I don't know, buddy, but what are we gonna do to get it to stop? I have information that will lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. Of Hillary Clinton. Uh. You know, screw it. I'm I'm just gonna ask what information they have. I'm just gonna leave it. <laughs> I don't have any need to be suicided. Uh, I'm not. I'm not getting a response, and they've been responding pretty quickly. I, uh, I think she got Momo. I, I think we need to wrap this up. Uh, I'm freaking out, man. I, th I think I want to go uh, hug my wife and children. All 11 of them. Make sure you do that. All right, folks. Thank you for having a bit of fun with us and joining us on this adventure into the madness that is our world. Yeah, and you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at ThisIsMLGA. Also, if you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at ThisIsMLGA at gmail.com. Hit us up, subscribe, and make sure to rate us on iTunes. It helps us grow and guarantees new episodes. We'd also like to say a special thank you to Lady Liberty for becoming our first patron on Patreon. Like any good libertarian, she values her privacy and decided not to have her name shouted out. But we love you anyway. If you'd like to join us and get a shout out and submit questions, hit up our Patreon. We're happy to be here, and we're happy you're with us. Stay sane, everybody. Mm -hmm.